When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode in our adjustment series, we focus on a theme of attacking a defender or an offensive player in multiple directions. Meaning that whether you are a level one, level two, or level three player, you're being stressed from inside, outside, left, right, over the top, underneath. On the line of scrimmage, those guys being stressed at multiple angles from multiple directions. So. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. And as you head into the last quarter of the regular season, you should have a fully operational offense. The things that you installed in August should all be performing to the standards that you expect and that you'd like out of your offense. Along the way, you may have cut some of those things out. You may have focused on a certain area, which you saw as a strength. Or maybe you even had to make some major adjustments to what you do to get things moving. Today, though, is going to be focused on not adjusting a particular scheme, but rather doing things within what you do to, dis- to stress a defender or the defense as a whole. So let's focus on the single defender first. So whether that be a defensive lineman, a linebacker, or a defensive back, that defender should be attacked in multiple ways within the schemes and concepts that you use. And a game plan should be set up so that it maximizes the stress that each of those defenders has to deal with. You want to stay away from the situation where a defender can play their same technique and assignment again and again and again over the course of the game and really be able to focus in on doing just that one thing to stop you. A defensive lineman, for example, uh, should be blocked from multiple directions and angles. So on one play, he may be blocked down from on the left. The next play, maybe he's reach blocked from the right. A third play may have the offensive lineman who is over him blocking him straight ahead. And and a fourth play may let him go completely to be trapped by someone else or wham blocked by somebody else or even read by the quarterback. So that defender has a lot coming at him. He can't settle in and, and play on maybe one or two things and say, hey, they're only running inside zone. And I can just settle in here and play my technique against inside zone. I'm going to get pressure from the right or left, and that's it, right? Giving him those multiple things to think about are are going to help you in the long run. You want him to have to react in multiple ways. And, And the effect is that he's going to start to slow down a little as compared to that situation where he has little variation in what you're doing against him. The The same holds true for the secondary. And I've seen this often in in watching some of the game film that I do. Again, I have a a lot of teams who have shared their huddle with me and asked me for input on certain things. But I'll see some of the RPO teams kind of settle in on first and second down, especially running their RPOs and some form of quick, obviously, out on the perimeter 
uh, again and again, a lot of times it's the hitches that that defender is really only have to, you know, having to play that hitch in front of him. He could, he could break on it um, and break it up because that's all he's seeing, or he can do a good job of, of playing that and timing it up so that uh, he's, he's hitting that player either uh, knocking the ball away or making the tackle immediately. Those guys typically aren't seeing that threat over the top. He doesn't see the double moves or he's not stressed by multiple combinations that attack him inside and out or in front of him and over the top. So you have to be cautious of that. While you think, okay, I'm, you know, I can run or pass it on every down, that's a lot of stress to the defense. I would agree. But if if the stressors don't change against those defenders, it starts to become a little bit easier to defend. You can make those adjustments as a defense that offensively you better see those happening so you can have some answers to attack them, right? And, and again, we've said it before that um, the RPO offense as the answer alone, you know, doesn't necessarily give you all you need in, in being able to stress a defense, especially vertically. And it's why we've seen a lot of the play action shots where everything's protected. Maybe it looks like run with uh, some of the deeper routes, even a double move have kind of come back into play quite a bit, even for the RPO offenses. So make sure that that guy's being stressed. So part of this, I think, really comes down to uh, as you get your game plan together, you've put together that menu of plays for the week, do some quality control on it. Have each position coach quickly analyze how those defenders are being stressed by the position group that they coach. So the offensive line coach would do this for the defensive line and linebackers in the box. And the receivers coach would do it for the defensive backs and the linebackers who are outside the box. And in general, you want to know, is that box player um, being blocked from multiple directions on multiple angles? And how much variation does that defender have to deal with? In the secondary, is that secondary player a linebacker outside the box being attacked inside, outside, in front, uh, behind him, or over the top? And how much variation does he have to deal with? And if you find that you have a defender or more on that defense who's only attacked maybe in one or two ways, you may be making it too easy on him, especially if that's one of their better defenders. I believe that if it's a better defender, you want to stress him in in so many ways rather than letting him just play those, those techniques. So, if you find that, you may need to go back to and adjust that play menu or the game plan or know that it's a tendency and set up that defender in a way that you can break that det- that tendency in a way that it results in a big play. The, the point of the whole thing is go through that exercise. It doesn't take too long. Get that feedback on what you're utilizing that week and be sure that it stresses the defense in a way that you are comfortable with. You're the person who who has to answer that. Are you comfortable with the way you're stressing the defense? And just be sure that you're not making it easier on them than you want it to be. Going along with that theme and looking at how that works into formations, I really like the philosophy of expand and contract. I've talked about that here before, but it it does fit into this philosophy of attacking a defender or a defense in multiple ways and putting stresses on them. And the objective of any offensive coach is to put your players in a position and get the matchups that allow them to make things happen, especially those best players that you have. The goal is to get them with the ball in space. 
And there's a lot of ways to accomplish that. You have it within your offense. But I think as you get into this next part of the season, looking at what you have to stress them with expand and contract can be beneficial. So condensing those formations causes the defense to have to deal with some of the traffic that they have within those routes, right? When they're spread out, they don't have to worry about being picked as much and field space that's created to get a player open in the passing game uh, or as you're condensing uh, along the line of scrimmage, you're creating some extra gaps and angles inside with an ability to threaten the perimeter a little bit faster, right? It's not spread out on the edge. Your, your secondary support, primary support are right there near the line of scrimmage. So now when you get to the outside, it could be a bigger play. Uh, when you think about how does it stress a defense? Well, let's take the field corner in these condensed sets. You know, a lot of times in, in this spread era, he's out by the numbers, the sidelines, a defender, knowing that the throw's a little bit longer and the time he has to react is a, a little bit more. And now when you condense him down, you put all kinds of space outside of him. Uh, he has to, number one, think about how he's going to make sure he doesn't give up leverage on that space. And number two, he has to react quicker, right? Throws now are shorter. So you definitely start to put stress on him as an example there. You know, along the line of scrimmage, even if it's condensing your four wide receiver set and bringing, you know, one of your receivers inside on a linebacker that, you know, typically it's going to take a little bit longer and might have the reaction that that outside guy who, who maybe is either um, directly over or apex and sees that guy coming can call the crack. Now it's all going to happen a little bit quicker. Again, it starts to stress the way, the way they have to play their defense, right? Likewise, if you've been a team that's tight, expanding things, right, is going to going to pr provide some benefits. You know, again, looking at how it might clean up the box for the run game would be an example. Looking at uh, different types of coverages and the holes and voids that those might open up become a little bit different too. And again, it's within those doing what you do, not adding extra things to, to operate from expanded or contracted formations, but taking what you do and adapting it to those situations. Again, you want it to be difficult for them, but easy for you to do. Carrying on with the idea of formations, and the last adjustment I have for the offensive side of the ball is to use unusual formations. Those formations that cause issues for alignment in the front where the numbers in the secondary can provide you an advantage. So like I said before, you want to do what you do within here. You want to keep your plays limited to the things you already do. And, and don't feel that you need to do everything from these unique formations. Pick out the things that are going to be most effective for you. Pick out some of your best plays that are aided by maybe some things that they have to do to align differently. So I have an example of this. Uh, I guess you could call it my case study. And it's something we like to use a lot. Uh, but in this particular example, we utilized it against a defense that we knew would adjust in certain ways. And we took advantage of their alignments. It was a long time conference opponent. We had years of film that we could look back on and say, how might they adjust to a certain thing here? Um, now, I have to say, back when we did this, uh, our years of film was on VHS, and, and I was 
you know, I was not the guy who would record over things. I liked to save it, put it on the shelf. We might have to come back to it. And in this case, it actually proved uh, that that idea was right because we did go back to this and, and found some of the things we were looking for in terms of their adjustments. So in this particular season, our primary play was the stretch play. It was our starting point. Everything really came off of our stretch play. And on our stretch, we wanted to get the ball to the perimeter. Uh, I know a lot of outside zone is going to stretch it and cut up inside. Our first thing was we want to get the ball outside, right? For us, it, it really caused more distortion of the defense. And at the very least, we would stretch and distort that defense, defensive front in a way that it opened up running lanes for us. Again, primarily out on the perimeter, outside, uh, those plays would stretch right. So what we did was to utilize some tight end over. I really like utilizing unbalanced formations, either going tackle over or tight end over. I think it's an effective way to do some things and get the surfaces that you want. But we knew that this particular opponent would kick the front over when we did this. And so we used a, a one back under center at the time. We used a little bit of shotgun in our backfield set. Um, later in, in this play set, we would run a quarterback stretch just to get that extra hat in there. But everything for us started with uh, that backfield set, the one backfield one back backfield set and uh, a tight end to the boundary with a flanker outside of him. Now that flanker personnel wise was our fullback. Our fullbacks were pretty dynamic. Uh, a lot of times they were guys who maybe could be a tailback. At times they would come in and spell our tailback and run the ball, but um, you know, a little bit bigger. Uh, in, in this case, uh, this fullback was kind of on the small side for us, but very dynamic and he could catch some passes. So he would, he was the one flanking out, um, out on the numbers or near the numbers, bottom of the numbers. And, uh, you know, on the very first play we ran this, we knew we were going to get a soft corner, and we threw a hitch to him for like a five- or six-yard gain. And, and what it was really doing was intending to tell the defense that we will throw the ball out here to this guy if you try to cheat us on the pre-snap alignment, right? So we wanted them to have to adjust with us. And so the second play, we shifted that tight end over, he became ineligible because he has those two twins outside of him and the, the tackle on the other side was uncovered. That fullback moved down to a wing off of that uncovered tackle on the short side and we got what we wanted as far as the defense kicking that front and that tackle to be inside the guard and the nose went over the, the uh, field side guard, right? So now we have this nice gap uh, to that short side, and, and that's exactly what we wanted. So uh, after that uh, play, what we did um, before we, we utilized this attack, we saw what we wanted. Again, we wanted to set up that stretch. We wanted defense definitely rotating down, and they did that. Uh, we ran the stretch play to that side, got a nice gain with it, uh, but they were set up for what we wanted because the secondary had rotated too. They brought their strong safety down over number two, uh, other safety in the middle of the field, and the corner was playing off soft there. And, you know, from game film study, he wasn't exactly the, the best tackler that they had, uh, usually lined up to the boundary to play that single receiver. So a uh, good cover guy, pretty good cover guy, but not a great tackler. So we went back to that shift. We kicked the tight end over. The fullback is in there off the wing. And then we went in inside zone isolation play. So that fullback came through. Uh, the B-gap inside of the tackle isolated that linebacker. We knew that the end would stay outside, so it was an easy block for our tackle. He just blocked him out, 
And then we had that guard inside, ran our, our combos on the inside there up to the other linebacker, and we were off to the races. That tackle missed a block, and I think we went 50-some uh, yards for the touchdown on that play. And, and really the rest of the night kind of worked like that, going between some of that zone ISO, the stretch play. We had a play action built off of that. And then we also had uh, an adjustment for if they didn't kick that tackle over, which was their first answer is, okay, we're not going to give you that gap. We're going to leave him in a three technique. We'll move the, the nose down um, to head up on that guard or inside. And that was fine. Uh, because it gave us a quarterback sneak. So at any time, our quarterback knew that if this was the adjustment and we had that bubble there in the defense, he could go ahead on first, second, or a third and short and audible us to a quarterback sneak. Sneak, And he did a great job with that. He caught him a few times for easy four- and five-yard gains from a quarterback sneak. But uh, the reason I point this out, the takeaway is to utilize these unusual formations in a small set of plays that builds in your if-thens, and allows you immediately to see the answers you need to their adjustments. I think it's especially effective when they haven't seen this before. They won't have a, a multiple set of adjustments to this because it wasn't necessarily game plan. So they're adjusting by series, which you should be able to quickly identify and attack in a certain way, right? They're going to adjust by that series, maybe come out, like I said, that guard's uh, not going to be covered on one play, uh, on another play, I should say center not going to be covered on one play. On another play, that gap is taken away. We knew what we wanted to do in those situations. And, you know, initially, I like being able to sprinkle in those and get a look at what are they going to do. Are we confirming exactly what we want? And mix in some of our other formations and plays so that they're not getting a look at it every single play and deciding this is what we want to do. Make them deal with some other things. Like I said, we're making those defenders deal with things. You want to make their coaches deal with multiple things as well. But then as we get later into game with those unique formations, especially in the second half, when their adjustment time now is limited to whatever is between series, again, I think it's an advantage. And that's a time maybe where you get into that and really pound them with those formations if you have found exactly what you want to do and, and they're giving you what you want. So on the defensive side, uh, I put together some ideas for attacking an offense in this way first and then some common adjustments to some of the things that we're seeing this season so take that concept which I just talked about on offense and think about especially your defensive line and your linebackers in the box how are those guys with what they do stressing an offense if you're playing your guy straight over all the time and there's no movement to what he does Obviously, that's a little bit easier for that offensive lineman. Linemen are stressed by movement. We've said that before. Looking at ways to add movement there. Again, sometimes you're aligned over him or in a gap and you're taking that gap. Another time, maybe you cross his face. A third time, maybe you go completely away and, and loop around to another gap and someone's filling that gap uh, with a, a blitz or a pinch there. So thinking about Am I setting my guys up for success by not letting the offense really settle in on where I'm going to be on every single play, right? Might not be your philosophy. Maybe you want your guys to play that technique, but something to think about, again, especially if you end up in those situations where uh, you're facing a, a really good team and you know that they have some personnel advantages. Uh, the next thing is to 
bring some pressure from places that they don't expect it. The corner most times is not going to be accounted for in an inside blocking scheme. And we've seen a move back to utilizing the nub tight end. I see it in so many games now on every level. And again, it's a, why are they doing it? Well, it's, it's a great answer to some of the odd front things that you like to do, especially some of the tight front things. Uh, you know, adding that tight end for a surface there, nub tight end spill, still being able to spread the field with trips to the other side uh, is, is something that the offenses are like liking right now so it does set up that opportunity where you can bring that that corner blitz right that cowboy blitz or whatever you might call I think we call it cowboy in one place we called it cat in another but him coming off that edge and your other guys you know moving into those inside gaps as I said moving in different ways are going to cause some of that stress on the defense likewise thinking about how you might be able to utilize a safety in your pressures as well and I know John Luce gave a great clinic talk, and I'll, I'll link that in the show notes, where uh, he talked about exactly those things that, um, you know, kind of replacing their linebacker with that safety, bringing the safety down from the third level, creeping him down a little bit, and then going on the snap of the ball is, again, a, a place he's coming from where a, a younger line especially isn't going to expect that, isn't going to see where he's coming from. And it, again, mixed in with what you normally do, right? keeping them off guard. Sometimes it's still going to be your linebackers. Sometimes it's coming from the secondary. Uh, those are things that definitely an offense has to adjust to over the course of the game, or if they don't, it's going to start to really hurt them. The other thing I like, we've talked about a lot of movement this season as an adjustment uh, on or, or after the snap, I should say, uh, but stemming your front, I think is a great adjustment. And I know that teams like to use it against flexbone teams because they're being read at the line of the line of scrimmage and a quarterback's usually making a quick call or the line is making a quick call in order to adjust their scheme to what they see. So now when you move and timed effectively, uh, they have to deal with something else on the fly. So that works certainly against zone teams who like to make a lot of those calls. You know, Think about what you see when you're scouting an opponent. Are they spending a lot of time on the line of scrimmage? You see those offensive linemen communicating or their hands going up, maybe pointing at someone, right? Are they making those calls if they're a heavy call team? Stemming your front from time to time could help you and cause situations where uh, you're going to break their communication, especially if it happens late. Now, you have to realize that uh, they might start to false cadence you and look over the sideline and make that change after you've already moved. So having some procedures that allow you to double move and stem that front again uh, would be effective. And I'll link a really good one from Adam Gaylor, who's the defensive coordinator at Jenks High School in Oklahoma, state champion there. Uh, they do a, a tremendous job in their program, but he's got a great strategy that really starts to combat that. And they have built in double moves into what they do to stem the front. And it's something that he likes to use, as I said, against flexbone teams, but certainly that works well uh, against the zone teams or even teams that like to run power and get their combos the, the perfect way. I know we were a line call heavy team. We didn't exactly like to see uh, the situation where we were seeing a stemming front. We certainly prepared for it, but we preferred those teams who would just sit there and be static. So another way to stress the offensive line. And again, I think you mix things in. The more that you do the same things over and over, 
the easier it is to start to adjust to. So when you stem, stem on some plays and on other plays you don't, uh, again, it starts to work to your advantage. It makes them think a little bit. And then on special teams, we've been talking about adding fakes. We've been talking about adding counters to what you do. I think a really effective way to create a counter either on your punt return or on your kick return is to use a reverse. And, and on both of these, it's simple. Um, you can study these up. But, but basically, uh, you want to study where the ball is kicked to. Do they kick it to a regular place all the time? Does their, their kicker or punter have some consistency in where he puts the ball? If so, that's the opportunity, I think, to use a reverse. Now, if the, the ball's all over the field, it becomes a little bit more difficult because of the timing that's, that's necessary to really uh, draw the defense into that initial runner having the ball or, or returner having the ball and then reversing it the other way. But when you do this, it allows you to use your same scheme that you've been using. Let's say you had a return set up to the right. Well, your guy's going to catch the ball and start to the left with that other player coming behind. It could be a, a dead pitch to him. It could be a handoff. And he's getting back to the normal return spot. Has to uh, set up, obviously, well in the timing. It is something you have to work. But... If you're facing that team who has consistency in where the ball is placed, that may be a good opportunity to incorporate a reverse into your returns. So uh, another week of adjustments there. Hopefully some of that helps you. I definitely think there's some things to think about in how you're stressing your opponent. Put somebody on that. Do a little bit of study on yourself. It doesn't take a lot of time to look at those things and make sure, yep, we're doing well in our game plan and in stressing defenders in multiple ways. Uh, the week ahead, we have Noah Mazzoni tomorrow talking about some of the games from this past week and some ideas and, and coaching us through both how those happen in a game as well as in practice and some adjustments. And then on Tuesdays for the rest of the season, we have DJ Elliott, former FBS defensive coordinators, made some incredible stops along the way. He's going to be joining us to do that on Wednesdays, talking on the defensive side of the ball. So continue to tune in this season. Obviously, when we get to the offseason, we'll go back to some of our normal offseason programming, but it's exciting to be with you along the way. Hopefully, you're taking away something from this, and uh, we appreciate you listening. We hit $6 million last week, so thank you for that as well. Follow all we're doing uh, on coachingcoordinator.com, and follow me on Twitter, at Coach K Grabowski.